The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. Would you give a warm welcome to Pastor Dale Oquist? How's it going? You, uh, you may not be happy to be here, but I'm just telling you what. You have never had a guest speaker that is more happy to be on Wisconsin soil. Although I live in, uh, yes. My, uh, my, my family just, just laughs because we were, it was a summer goer, so we were driving uh, from Minnesota over to Wisconsin. It, we were driving over the bridge on 94, over the Mississippi River, you know, into Hudson, Wisconsin. It's just like, my family said, it's just like life got better for you, you know, Dad. <laughs> just like, yes. So, um, so I'm... It's, it's really, uh, really good to be here. I got in late last night, but couldn't wait to get up this morning just to be, uh, to be with you and, uh, and just to deliver uh, a, few, you know, a few words of truth to you. Now, let me just say this about life groups and, uh, and, and getting into life groups. It's, uh, it's an incredible experience. I, it's where uh, we, we have stories like you do that, of where church happens. That's where church happens. It's where, where we do life together. And sometimes Bible study breaks out, and sometimes it doesn't, but whatever else, community takes place. And, uh, and it's, it, it, we're serving a generation through life groups that desire community but don't know how to do community. And therefore, we're showing them how to do that and how to do life together, how to live life together. So do it. Get, get in a life group. I have, my, my wife leads one. I lead one. We're all part of it. So, all right. Let me talk to you about when heaven and earth collide. If today heaven and earth collided, what would that look like? What would that feel like? What would that experience be if heaven and earth collides? Because the Bible begins with heaven and earth in harmony, and it will end with heaven and earth colliding. What would that look like for us today? What would our thoughts be like? If heaven and earth collided today, what would life be like? Would the world no longer focus on you if heaven and earth collided today? If all of your motives were exposed because heaven and earth collided today, what would that, what would that experience be like? Heaven and earth colliding. It seems like I'm changing my thoughts, but I'm really not. I was this week meeting with a man in our church named Ron. Ron is a successful businessman. He's, a, he's older than me, but he's young, if you know what I mean. He's still a young man and still uh, sharp, but um, if the doctors are right, he has, he has just a month or so to live. And he, he has this beautiful home and beautiful family, beautiful daughters. And, um, and he comes out and, and he's weak and frail and he has to sit down. And, and it's just, it's just, it just doesn't seem right. It seems like every Sunday I, as I'm walking toward our auditorium, and I see a young lady named Paige and her husband, Ray, who 
just recently, just recently, lost a baby. And you, every time I see her, I think, that shouldn't have happened. Every time I, every time I encounter her and her husband, I just think, that's just, well, I'll just say it the way I feel it. It's just not fair. It's just not right. It's just not fair. You read Psalm 73, and the psalmist says all of this. It seems like the unrighteous are the ones prospering. It seems like the ones that are far from God are the ones that are making all the headway in life. It's like those that are apart from God have the wind at their back as far as life is concerned. And those of us who are trying to live for God, doing our best to follow Jesus, and it seems like, it just seems like all of life is an uphill battle and all against the wind. It just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. And every, everywhere we look, you know, our neighbors have, they, you know, they have a nanny. They have a lawn service. They're going on vacation all the time. And it seems like we're just slugging it out. And how does that seem fair? It just isn't right. So in, to, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Deuteronomy, that's the Old Testament, the fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Toward the end of the chapter, chapter 24, verse 17. Are you doing all right? You still doing all right? Uh, and I'm going to do something that guest, I, I don't think I've ever had a guest uh, speaker at our church ever do this to say, we're going to do communion at the end, but we're going to do communion at the end. All right? Okay? Do I have two heads? What, what I thought, I, are we, do you all had decaf this morning, didn't you? Well, because this is, uh, do you allow them to talk, Ryan, or not? Yes, we do. You do? Yes. Okay. I thought so. All right. Are you just like sizing me up going, I'm not sure about this guy? That's okay. But at least, at least make me feel good. Otherwise, I'm just going to say it's not fair. Deuteronomy 24, starting at verse 17. These are laws that are being given to the Jews. Are you there, Sam? There. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Verse 18, this is a phrase that is found all throughout the Old Testament. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God, Yahweh your God, redeemed you from there. That, that is why I command you to do this. The command is to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. The command is to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. And then he gives the reason why he gives the command in verse 18. And what is the reason why? Because what? Uh, <laughs> this is where you can actually answer me. All right? Do you... You have the Bible right there, right? Are you looking at the Deuteronomy? All right, so verse 18, he, you're, you're, the command is, take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Why does he give that command? Because what? Thank you. Because they were slaves once in Egypt, and God helped them when they couldn't help themselves. That's why he gives this command. 
because you were slaves in Egypt at one time. Now he says this, verse 19. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. A field is their place of business. A field is their livelihood. A field is the is the very, the very environment of which they give all of the energies of their life. They maintain it, they irrigate it, they plant, they, they, they trim, they make sure everything is right. Every day that they live, their mind is on the field because that's where their livelihood is. That's where they get their paycheck is from that field. And so they have to make sure that they maintain it. They have to make sure that it gets enough water. They have to make sure that, it, that, that this is what they worry about. They're, they're up late at night. They're up early in the morning worrying about the field because if if bad weather comes through some some of you have grown up around farms you we know this we understand this this is what you live by Uh, fresno california is the central portion of the san joaquin valley it is it 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 produces like it produces uh like we have we have a we have a guy in our church and that their company alone produces 40 percent of all the almonds that everybody eats yeah, so I mean, it's big. Everything is grown by us. We, we, uh, right now is blueberry season. You didn't know that, did you? Do you know that there's 64 different types of blueberries? Did you know that? This is blueberry season. Then it's good. We have the raisin capital of the world. There's oranges, there's cotton, there's everything. I, pomegranates. I'd never seen a pomegranate bush. Or it's really a tree, but it looks like a bush. I'd never seen one until I moved there. It's everywhere. There's everything. All that to say is the, the, the people that I live with now, I mean, that's all they can think of is their fields, their crops, the walnuts, the almonds, the, 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 the pistachios, everything. I, could, I, can't, I can't name all of them because of the fact that it would just take too long. All that to say is they're thinking about this. And now, and now, here's what's supposed to happen. Here's what's supposed to happen. You're in your field. And you, and you miss some of the harvest. You miss some of the harvest. The command is, don't go back and get it. Don't go back and get it. Leave it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. But the interesting thing is, is the first group of people that he tells them to leave it for. He says, leave it for the foreigner. Now, hold it. I'm supposed to do all the work. I grew up in Wisconsin. I did. I grew up in Wisconsin. And I, some, my dad, Lud Oakwist, I mean, you, a, day's, a day's work for a day's wage, right? If you don't work, you don't eat. That's, that's the ethic I grew up with, that I live by and still believe in. And yet, he's saying that there's going to be people that don't do any work at all, and they're going to be able to go on my field where I have been working, where I have been, where I've been slaving over this, where I've been up all night worried about the weather because of the fact that it could devastate my crop. I'm worried about it, and they get to come in after doing nothing, and they get to take from my fields. The foreigner. They may not even have a green card. They may not even be paying into Social Security. Right? They're foreigners. That means that they're, prob- they're that means that they're not even following after the law of God. These aren't even my brothers and sisters in the faith. 
I'm supposed to leave it for them. After all the work I've done, after all the slaving I've done, after all the worrying, after all the effort, after all the pains, after all the, all the things that I've put into to get this, and you're saying that someone can come in after me that hasn't done anything, and they can take it. In fact, they're supposed to take it because I'm supposed to leave it for them. I'm just going to say it. That's not, it's not, it's not fair at all. Let's keep reading. Verse 20, when you beat the olives from your trees, when was the last time you were doing that? When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow when you harvest the grapes in your vineyard. And when I read this in Central California, everyone, this is, this is common life. When you harvest the grapes and you do not go over the vines again, leave what, that, what remains for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. Verse 22, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I command you to do this. You're commanding me now. Don't you know? I have a family to feed. Don't you know that I need to do... There, I don't know what's going to happen next harvest season, so don't... Don't you know I have to do the most, I have to do the, the, the best that I can't even prepare for, for the bad years, let alone the good years, and you're commanding me. I have to intentionally leave a portion for people, they can take my extra crop, and they haven't done anything to help me. Remember, verse 22, remember, verse 22, that you were slaves. This isn't fair, and it's not fair. But he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I command you to do this. He's saying this, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair when I delivered you from your bondage and your slavery. You did nothing. You did nothing to see the release and the deliverance that you experienced. You did nothing for that, and yet I did that for you. I wasn't fair to you, so you, should, you don't need to be unfair to other people. I wasn't unfair to you. If, you. if you think that that's important, you know what? You need to remember that you were a slave once, that you were, you were the one in bondage, and that, you, that I treated you unfairly by delivering you by my grace and my mercy. And yet our life is all about fairness. Everything, we all want to keep score, don't we? Well, they got me this much for a Christmas present. I got to reciprocate with the exact same amount. How much do you think they spent? It's not fair. Right, it's not fair because if God were fair with every one of us, if you and I got what we deserved, where would we be? But to start to experience what God wants to do in our lives, to start to experience the, 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 the unfairness of God for the point where you can, you can appreciate the fact that you can do something for someone, you can be generous and you can help someone out and you don't even get a thank you card. The unfairness of God. If you, 
Matthew 5, 43 and through 48 talks about loving your enemies. Don't just love the people that love you. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love those and pray for those who persecute you. What? The people that are against me at my job, the people that are fighting against me at my job, I'm supposed to love those people? And love isn't just that I love you. It's in our actions. It's everything that we do. It's, it's, the, very, it's the very way in which we live. Not only, is great, not only grace is a person, but also truth is a person. And love is a person, and his name is Jesus. You can't do this without, without God's spirit flowing through you. Because if you don't understand the unfairness of God, if you don't understand the random generosity of God, you will always struggle with your salvation. You will always wrestle with your salvation because of the the fact that God is randomly unfair. If you don't understand this, the message of salvation, the message of grace will never land with you. It will never land with me. Go to Matthew chapter 20. Oh, we're doing good. Matthew 20. Are you still with me? Matthew chapter 20. This is, uh, this is the story of the, of the workers in the vineyard. Remember this passage where, well, let's read it. Let's read portions of it. For the kingdom of heaven is like, and this is, these are Jesus' words, and whenever he says this, this is what he's saying. He's saying, when life in the kingdom of God, what the, we're in the kingdom of God as believers, as followers of Jesus, we're in the kingdom of God. We are now citizens of not only Wisconsin, Green Bay, the United States of America, but we're citizens of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is like, whenever you hear that, this is always ma- making sure that you get a picture of what life in the kingdom of God is supposed to look like. So what life for you and me is supposed to look like and be like. That's what, it's, that's what Jesus is saying. So the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, which is pretty average pay, and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others, about three hours later, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing, and he told them, you also go work and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right So they went. He went out again at noon, three hours later. And about three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, what have you been doing standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard for 45 minutes. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his supervisor... Call the workers and pay them their wages. This is great. Beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So that the last one, so that the first ones hired can experience what he's paying the last ones that were hired at five in the afternoon. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received how much? One denarius. So when those when those came who were hired first, they expected fairness. They expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. <laughs> what? These men who were hired last 
only worked one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, I am not, am, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree? Didn't we have an agreement that you'd work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. You've made them equal to us. So don't you, don't you know that this is what life is all about? You see other people, and you look at their life, and you think that your life should be like their life, and that everything about their life is so much easier than yours. It seems they seem to get the promotion. They seem to get the, the position that you always wanted or you've been praying for. I, this, this, did you hear this recently, this person that won the lottery? That won the lottery, a lady that won the lottery, and this is what she said. She said, well, I prayed to the Lord. It's like, if it were that easy, right, we're all going and getting a ticket today, right? And tithing, more than tithing on all of it. We're splitting it with the church, actually. But, I mean, if it were, you know, why does one person get to pray and win millions and the, all of the rest of you don't play the lottery. Anyways, I'm sorry. You don't, even, you, can't, you don't even know. Did you know that there's a lottery? Did you know that? You, you probably didn't even know that. Why is it that, that, that other people's kids turn out this way and yours turn out this way? Or why is it that you know, you, people can eat and 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 never gain weight? And you look at food and you gain weight. Why is that? And what we don't realize is that other people are looking at our lives and they desire to be us. And the master wants to be unfair with these workers. And they're envious because of the generosity of the owner. When we need to start to celebrate the generosity of God whenever it collides into earth. If we're envious, all we are is we're focused on all the things we don't have. If we're envious, we're not focusing on the blessings that God has given to us. We're focused on the unfairness of God around us. When we, when you don't, do you understand this? That whether, whatever life circumstances surround you right now that still you are blessed and that you've received the unfair grace of God because if we all if we were all in the point system we would all lose do you know that that we need to throw out the fairness doctrine because if we all live by the fairness doctrine we'd all be in trouble right but because of the grace of God we have all been treated unfairly We've received what we did not deserve. Learn to celebrate the, the, the generosity of God, the favor of heaven, wherever you see it around you, where you look at people, and at times you just need to rejoice with them and say, good for you. Good for you. One last passage, Luke chapter 15, 
Luke chapter 15. The parable of the lost son in the last three quarters of last two-thirds of Luke chapter 15. Two sons. One asks for his inheritance early. And by gaining his inheritance early, he leaves and he squanders it and everything that would be against what the father would have taught him. Now he realizes his plight in life and he rehearses a speech. He rehearses a speech. And as we know the parable, the, the father in Luke 15, the father, which represents God, is watching for the son. And when he sees the son, he runs to the son. Now, patriarchs don't run. Servants run. The people who are in control do not run. And yet the father runs to the son. And he puts on that son the best robe, which is probably the robe he was wearing and the ring that he was wearing and the sandals, the shoes that he was wearing. He puts it all, and then he calls for a party. Now, if you're going to kill a... We, if you're going to kill a, a sheep or a goat, you're going to feed 20 or 30 people, but the, 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 the Bible records this parable as saying that the, the father has called for the fattened calf to be killed. Now, the fattened calf, that means that, that he's going to feed about 100 people. And remember, there's no refrigerators, there's no freezers during this time, so that means that what he is doing, he's reconciling his son to the entire community of which he's a part of. Everyone knows what has happened. Everyone has seen this. And now he's going to reconcile his son. He's going to call for this huge party. And when I mean party, I mean party. You think think of the best party you've ever been to and then put it on steroids and turbocharge it like 10 times. And that's this party. But there's one person who isn't into the party. And who is that? His older brother. His older brother is not happy about this. Don't you know, Dad, you taught us a day's work for a day's wage? Don't you know the ethic that you gave to us? And don't you know all the things that I've been doing around here? Bearing the burden of the load of work that we have around here. And this, my younger brother, my slug of a younger brother, he's been out and he's been squandering and who, who knows what he's been doing and yet he comes home and you throw a party for him? What about a party for me? That's totally, it's not fair. And that, remember, this is all about the kingdom of God. It's all about the unfairness of God. And the hell that is happening in that older brother is this. It's not, it's not that he refused to take part of the party. 
This was hell for him. Let me tell you what hell was for him. That he was in the midst of the party and he refused to celebrate. That was his hell. Because he couldn't grasp the unfairness of God. And in our case, the unfairness of God is the grace of God. Because if God gave us what each one of us deserved, we'd all be in trouble. If there was a point system, we would all fail. We'd all be toast. But as we're about ready to take communion, it's really about celebrating. Communion is really about celebrating the unfairness of God. That the new normal is God's unfair grace to each and every one of us. That God is not fair. And communion is a celebration of that. Let's pray as we just prepare our hearts for communion. Father, even as there are people in this room that you've looked at life, they've experienced life that is totally unfair. That by every standard of human reasoning, we would go, wow, that's terrible. And we don't understand how terrible tragic things can happen to righteous people while really good things happen to jerks. And yet, Father, we come back to that statement, remember that you were all slaves once in Egypt. And that was his word to us. You were once in darkness. You were once bound and enslaved by your sin. But now, by God's unfair generosity, he's delivered us. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, there are just some, just some of you, my friends, that would just acknowledge that even though you, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, this whole unfairness of God is just it's been difficult to grasp and maybe because of that you've been struggling and wrestling with your own salvation it just hasn't landed yet you've done nothing to deserve what God has given to you look around you see all that God has done for you focus on how God has blessed you and it's all because of the unfairness of God to you to the point where others see you and wish they had your life. Lord, help us in this room that even as there is a person here, maybe a number of people here that whether they have wrestled with their salvation or haven't totally understood it, or maybe they, they don't have any idea, but right now they're sensing that they want a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that in the midst of the darkness of their life, they want it. They want to experience that freedom, that deliverance that only God can bring through Jesus. And they right now would just say, Lord, I receive your unfair love. I receive your forgiveness. I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve the freedom that you give to me. 
but I receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we're about to celebrate the unfairness of God. Amen. So as the those that are serving communion, the uh, we're gonna take you're gonna take a this is a if you appreciate what Jesus did on the cross, you don't have to be a member of Life Church to be part of this today. You don't have to be a member to, to take part and participate with this. If you appreciate what Jesus did on the cross, please take the bread and the juice. What what we are doing is we're taking an abbreviated version of what the Jews did. It was called the agape meal. Their communion was an entire, was hours long. And they brought, they brought a meal. It was like, their communion was like our potlucks. That's what it was. Everyone brought food. The reason Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians, which is the most common passage that we, that we read for communion for this time the reason he brings that up is because of this is that some of the people in this corinthian church and they were a church about the size of you right here that's this 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 group not the second hour just you this this group right here this is about the size of the church at corinth and then interesting and what they would do is they would come together and they would have and they would have these agape meals where everyone would bring food and they'd all share that food together but what some would start to do is those that were rich didn't like the fact that the poor and those that that couldn't bring food were eating their food and it's essentially be like this Paul was addressing it because of the fact that they were coming to these potlucks and it's as though they had their own table and their own food and not only were they gorging themselves on food but they were drinking to an excess while others were going without in their own fellowship and he's saying, that's not what this is for. Because you're focusing only on what you have instead of celebrating the very reason we're doing this is because of the unfairness of God, that God delivered us, that God brought us, that God delivered us from bondage in Israel because that, in Egypt, that's the celebration. That's what this is all about is God delivering his people. And now he delivers us through Jesus Christ from our darkness and our bondage. Because what we are celebrating right here, right now, through communion, is the unfairness of God. How unfair God was to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to deliver us from our sin and our shame and our guilt and our pain. And that we have a reason to rejoice as followers of Jesus because we have been redeemed, we have been blessed, we have been remade, we have been reborn into a new existence. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he's, he's saying, that which I received from the Lord, I, I passed on to you. On the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, so he's pointing back to that last supper before the crucifixion. He took the bread, 
And he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. So now we know that we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And so therefore, when we take the bread, we celebrate the horizontal relationships that we have with one another. That's why we need to make sure our relationships are right with one another. That's why we need to make sure that there's not unforgiveness and bitterness that we have with one another. Oh, that's because you're, you're claiming fairness, but they did this and they did this and they need to apologize. Throw it out. Throw it out. Get over it. Move on, right? That's because this is my body broken for you. This is now you celebrate the unfairness of God in the midst of all of our relationships. It doesn't matter. We need to make sure that our relationships are right with one another, our horizontal relationships. One of the reasons Jesus died is to make sure that we have our horizontal relationships so that we can, so that when the world sees us, they go, man, those people love each other. What's with that? I want in. This is my body broken for you. Do it. When you take it, when you eat it, do this. Eat it in remembrance of me. Thinking of the sacrifice of Jesus, let's take it together. This cup, if you've ever celebrated a Seder meal, this represents the fourth cup, the last cup. This is the blood of the new covenant, of how unfair God was, of redeeming you and me, of delivering you and me, of setting us free. This is our vertical relationship. This is, again, God saying, I love you. How do you respond? God loves us. His grace is so unfair. We did nothing to deserve his love, and yet he loves us. Unilaterally, no matter if you, you stick, no matter what you do, no matter how you respond, he loves you. He loves you. Father, thank you for how unfair you are by loving us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for your blood that sets us free, that redeems us. Thank you for how unfair you are. Let's take the juice. Together. You give a warm hand for Pastor Dale. God bless you. We'll see you next week.